My name is John, and I was just listening to the program about nagging. You know, my spouse doesn't necessarily nag, like just nag, 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 nag their husbands. But when they disapprove of it, kind of hold it against you, and then you can see their whole demeanor change and their attitude and how they look at you. So it's kind of like a shaming thing almost. You know, it's like try to shame because you're not doing what they want. Shaming, nagging, criticizing, not good things, creating real problems in uh, many marriages. In fact, some of you may say it was at one of the uh, points in your marriage that maybe before that divorce, nagging, criticism, and a lack of approval became a, a real issue. So today, how can we sort of nag-free zone our house and our marriage? Removing criticism maybe as part of it as well. Dr. Randy here from the Intentional Living Center. We have callers ready to go, but you're welcome to share your comment. How have you dealt with this thing of nagging or trying to stop it in your marriage and family? You can call 888 And by the way, here, mid-month February, I want to say thanks to those of you who are part of the Intentional Living community. Thank you for your support. And let you know that when you call during West Coast Business Hours, 888 you can join in support of the ministry, become a part of this journey with us. We have a great resource for you on prayer, a book that I think you'll enjoy, plus our ongoing monthly teaching from the Intentional Living Center. Just before we get into the rest of the show here, would you take a moment, maybe pray for us today? We're having one of our regular board of directors meetings. We have a great board of directors we get together and discuss and pray and look at the future and make sure there's accountability and uh, setting the course uh, in a way that will honor Christ. So that's going on today. Appreciate your prayers for the ministry's board meeting going on in Tucson. All right. Again, you're welcome to share your comment, 888 Hello, my name is Cheryl, and I'm married to a very strong-willed man. I'm also a very strong woman. However, my husband tends to be very reactive and antagonistic, and I understand it takes two people to argue, so I do my best to step out. But if I only say yes, dear, and okay, then we we live in harmony. But anytime I even... If it's extremely respectful, if I share a question or question him or share a disagreement, no matter how respectful I say it, there's an extreme problem and an entire day can be just full of tension and lack of harmony. There's more disharmony than harmony. I've learned to be really happy outside of my marriage, you know, being fulfilled with work and volunteer and very prayerful. No matter the amount of growth I have, how peaceful, harmonious I can be as an individual, it still doesn't change the reactiveness or the antagonistic behavior of my husband. And it's very, very, very hard to love someone like this. And I don't know what to do. Well, you're doing some of the right things there. Obviously, you're not trying to incite that or push the button. You're being calm and finding pleasure in things that are appropriate uh, beyond just what you do in your marriage. It's unfortunate. It's not what God intended. I'd say to all of us, are we pushing buttons that can cause uh, our spouse, who we love and care for, and ultimately, that's why we got married, to be in a supportive kind of loving relationship to serve one another, causing them to either pull away or 
lean in toward nagging, which uh, we have responsibility for that. Intention living is all about us, about our responsibility. This is not about pointing the finger at anybody. We can't. We ultimately have to, to take care of ourselves in terms of how we relate to other people. Let's find out uh, how uh, recovering naggers are de- have dealing with this. Denise is on the line. Hi, Denise. Hi, Doctor Carlton. Yep, I, I'm a recovering nagger. I've been I've been mostly nagging free for about 18 years, but oh. it's about 10 years to figure that out. Yeah, how'd you figure it out? What are you doing differently? <laughs> well, what I figured out was we're, we're both Christians, and we we both came from great Christian homes. But I went through a lot of uh, marriage classes together in one class specifically. I remember sitting there and talking about the man being the leader of the household, making jokes about how women nag and how that doesn't let your husband be the leader. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, if he would do what he was supposed to do, I wouldn't have to nag. And someone said that, and everyone laughed, and he said, do you realize you're the problem? And I went, wow, I'm being helpful. (laughs) He's the problem. That's why I'm nagging. If he wouldn't do that or if he would do that, I wouldn't have to nag. I didn't realize I was nagging. I I was being helpful. Yeah. And just spend a lot of time praying about it. That's how we it. position it, isn't it? Kind of we position it in terms of just being helpful. And that, that wasn't. The, how did your, re- your husband respond to your nagging? You know, he just did whatever he did and just let me nag. And, and, and it's funny because once I really started praying about it and chewing on a lot of tongue and keeping my mouth quiet, I realized that he suddenly stepped forward as I prayed to let him be the leader of the house and to make my, my mouth quiet when I'm being loud and nagging. He suddenly was doing the things that I was complaining about, like helping around the house without me saying a word, because I wasn't being the mommy and telling him what to do. And it it was amazing. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I've read on this topic of nagging. It gets compared to uh, very adolescent type of behavior or or like a a two-year-old whining, you know. And, And it brings out the worst in us as parents whenever we've got that kind of thing going on. And let's face it, when a teenager comes along and just is really in your face, and um, what we do as parents, often we can push back. And that happens in marriage as well. When a person's receiving this nagging message constantly or feeling that, uh, instead of being cooperative, they can become childish, adolescent, and respond in ways, like you say, pulling back. But when we, when we in our marriages behave the way God intended for us toward each other, we're more likely, doesn't mean always, but more likely to get the kind of response from our spouse that we intended. And that's what you've experienced for the last, what you say, last 18 years. Yeah, we've been married 28 years. The first 10, I just, I just did not figure it out. And the last, 20, or the last 18 have been spectacular. And, and uh, uh-huh. learning how to just say, hey, that this is going to hurt my feelings when, or could you help me because I feel overwhelmed by being able to talk to him about that. He steps right up and does, what he needed to do, he just didn't see it, and he had turned off his ears because I kept nagging. Good for you. All right, good for you. Thanks, Denise. Appreciate the call. Thanks. All right, we're talking nagging today. Are you a recovering nagger? Maybe you have a tip for someone you've learned. Because ultimately, we're not here to talk about, if my spouse would do this, I'd stop nagging. That may be, you know, that may be true. But it also may not be true. Because you might find something else to nag about. Come on, let's face it. Not everybody who's in a marriage that has, quote, the right to nag is a nagger. So it's still something we're responsible for. If we're nagging, it's something that we are doing. So we're not here to blame anybody. We're here to just take personal responsibility. So what else works? What else has worked for you? 888-888-1717. Hi, my name is Debbie, and I've been married for close to 32 years. Sometimes I think that when it comes time for decision-making, it can get really frustrating and we can bump heads a lot. But one thing I've learned is even if 
person makes a poor decision, like a financial decision or something like that, I always kind of come to find out that God will honor my submission of that. And even though it could have been something that would have turned into a, like a major bad situation, he kind of teaches us through that. And then he pours his blessing on us because of my submission to my husband and for not fighting with him and demanding and getting into these big old power struggles over it. And so I've just kind of learned along the way if I'm just gracious with learning as well as my own and how to do things, then that really helps me. And it also reassures me that God will bring his own conviction to my husband of his choices. And I don't have to play the Holy Spirit in his life, which takes a lot of pressure off of me. And I think that that's awesome. Good for you. Hey, listen, I, I tell you, the the advice you're getting here today from others who have been recovering naggers uh, is the best advice, more than anything I can give you today. 888-888-1717 is my number. And is this is this primarily a female problem? Uh, Tracy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Randall. Thank you, Dr. Carlson. Appreciate your call. Are you a recovering nagger? I am. <laughs> I found... Go ahead. I found that... <laughs> By nagging my husband, he felt that I didn't have his heart, that I that I felt that he couldn't make decisions and do things on his own. And when he shared that with me, it got me praying to the Lord and like, show me w- where I need to change. Yeah, and what? when he showed me that, it made a difference. What kind of things did you nag about? You know, it was mostly over his schedule. Nagging him to spend time with me, nagging him to spend time with the boys. He worked a lot of hours, and he had different projects, and I would put a, a time limit on his projects. So you were kind of micromanaging his life. I was. Yeah. So what's changed as a result of lifting that off your back? It gave him, it gave him freedom to to decide what it gave him freedom to make plans it freed him up to you know to put to put me on his schedule mm-hmm. and that did, and, and that him, happened before he was before he was he wasn't cherishing me i noticed a difference in his and oh. how he responded to me when yeah. i when i controlled him and when i let that go he started cherishing me again. Very interesting. Now, and things that I would nag him about, he started doing on his own. <laughs> you know, we hear that story over and over, Tracy. It doesn't always occur. And we know that life is full of individual differences and unique decisions, and we have free will to make choices. But uh, generally speaking, when we follow this biblical model, which is to love one another, listen to one another, support one another, there's... I mean, plenty of biblical evidence that love is the key to this thing of making marriage work, played out, acted out in our words and our attitude toward each other. We're much more likely to receive back what we give. Um, Not always, but more likely, for sure. Okay, thank you, Tracy. Appreciate it. Good advice. Let's go to Tanya in Florida. Tanya, welcome to the program. Hi. Go right ahead. How do you relate to this today? Um, I am actually the naggy, not the nagger. Okay. Um... My husband um, nags just constantly to the point to where it's gotten to, like, I don't even want to be in the same room with him for the majority of my time that we're at home together. I find ways to get away from him and to be away huh. from him. 
So he's just picking, 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 picking on stuff all the time? Like I can be cleaning, like in the kitchen, cleaning dishes, and he'll come behind me and say, no, 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 you missed this. Do it this way. You you don't know how you do this. Let me show you how. Or, oh. no, 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 come over here. You did this wrong. Wow, it's just did... a constant thing mm. down to if I missed a spot on the cabinet, how I missed it and oh, why I missed it. So sorry. You know, just, it's a con- and that's just the one example. It could be I folded the socks wrong or um, I didn't do enough that day. Why didn't I get this done? Why didn't I get that done? You know, it's oh. just a constant nagging on your back. And, it wears a person down. It makes them stop believing in themselves as a person and their abilities to 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 take care of themselves and everything around them. You know, I've heard it. I'm so sorry, Tanya, that you're experiencing that. It's, I've heard it sort of illustrated as a, a bucket. And, you know, when people pour love and affection and tenderness in the top, keeping that bucket full of a lot of overflow of good stuff... This nagging is one of the forms of drilling holes in the bottom of that bucket. And uh, when you do that, it drains out. So there are times when there's enough in there, enough reserve that you're okay, and other times you just get worn out. You don't want to be in the room. You don't want to be in the same place. It's unfortunate. And I, I hope others who are listening would think about what are we doing with our nagging to our spouse? Not so much fun. Sometimes we have fun joking about nagging and what it can do, but it can be destructive. Not only does it add zero value to your marriage, it actually detracts from. It gives negative value to your marriage. I think for you, Tanya, a couple of things. Um, It would be ideal if you could get with your husband, the two of you, and if not just the two of you, with a counselor where you could talk about how you're experiencing each other and what this is doing to your marriage. I find that many times people who nag, that's a form of insecurity in their own life. It's a form of wanting to control, control themselves, control other people, keep everything within their own, you know, their own little checklist of life. So often people, not always, but often people who are naggers are people who grew up in environments where they were often nagged at, or they never felt like they measured up to. And the only way they know how to communicate with others is to keep the world that around them in their own mind perfect. And this perfectionism that can play into this nagging, uh, it gets, it's counterproductive. The very thing that maybe your husband's looking for and wanting is not what he's getting, and the nagging gets the exact opposite of what he wants. And in the process, we damage each other in our marriage. So I would say, Tanya, I'd encourage you, and hopefully your husband to come along and sit down and have a time to talk about your marriage and learning to grow. I tell couples premarital counseling is fantastic, but I would much rather have couples after they get married have a session about six months or a year later to say, hey, now what have we really learned about living together in marriage? What are the things we're really learning now that we can do better to make our marriage work? You know, nagging can be sort of a a lighthearted topic. It can also be a destructive topic nagging. What is it doing in your marriage? Hi, Dr. Randy. This is Kathy. Our adult son came home a few years ago and told us that he was living a lifestyle that is totally against our beliefs. And at first it was very devastating to us as Christian parents who have raised him in the Word of God. But we have been intentional about keeping the relationship open with him. And even though he lives a long ways away, we go out to see him. 
We have learned not to nag him or to preach at him. He's going to be 29. And I am just thanking God and want to encourage other parents. It might be against what you believe, what your children are doing, but you can nag the throne of grace about your children. But do not nag your adult children because you will drive them away. I just really thank the Lord for the wisdom he has given to uh, my husband and I. And that's all I got to say. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. If you want to make your home a nag-free zone, don't go away. Dr. Randy's got more. We are Intentional Living, and we'll be right back. Hey, uh, this is Jesse. I just tuned in at 10.42 Michigan time. I've been listening for a few minutes now. It's, it's just, it's kind of wild how God works in someone's life. I was listening to your, your show on friends outside of the marriage, and it's really heavy on my heart. There's this girl at work, and we share so much in common, and laugh and joke all the time, and, and I really question whether or not I should stay in my marriage because of the feelings I have for this girl, and this girl has the same feelings for me. It's been heavy on my heart, and I've been wanting to talk to God about it. I've been praying, like, God, what am I supposed to do about it? It's kind of funny, your show came on, and it really, it just, I just turned on the radio, and you guys saved me. Your show had absolutely just made me say, no, that was an exact answer from God, black and white. I need to just drop this, because it's not good. I love my wife, my wife's done nothing wrong to deserve any of this. Wow. Thank you for calling. And t- what, are the, what, what are the chances of someone calling and just telling you that, huh? Uh, but it's an example of uh, when a person is ready. It's what I've learned, too, over years of ministry. Sometimes you, you share something and you're not ready to hear it. And then all of a sudden you hear something, and that's the day you need to hear it. And uh, that was that gentleman's day. And I am so pleased for you and for your your spouse and for your marriage that you made that decision. That'll be a life changer for you guys. You and I can decide how we're going to live on the inside. But we don't always have that kind of control on the outside. And Paul's saying, look, look at all I've been through. I didn't want to go through all these things, but I went through them. You and I are going to go through a lot of junk in life. We have right here in this family cancer. We have divorce, we have health challenges, we have financial challenges. Just because we're a follower of Jesus Christ and we have hope in Him doesn't mean we're immune from this stuff. And that's a reality. And Paul reminds us that our outward man is perishing, but inward we're being renewed. That's an excerpt from the teaching this month uh, going out just about now to our members around the country on when you're feeling sick and tired in life. You're just tired. You're just discouraged. Whatever it may be that you're facing, the good news is the Scripture gives us a lot of hope. And uh, we hear from one who certainly had the right to feel sick and tired, the Apostle Paul, as uh, he becomes uh, the basis of his teaching for the lesson this month for our Intentional Living team. 
So thanks for your support. If you're not a part of the team, again, you can join right now or during West Coast Business Hours just by calling 888-888-1717. When you get the phone answered, just hit that prompt number two and it'll take you to our staff. And they'll be happy to sign you up, get you on board, share a little bit about the ministry, maybe even pray with you if you have a need in your life. And we love you and want the best for you. Or you can go online to theintentionallife.com. And we have that book that I mentioned, God Hears and Answers Prayer. It's a book on prayer that we've put together to encourage you, plus our ongoing lessons. And this month, as I mentioned, Intentional Living When You're Feeling Sick and Tired. And then you'll be regularly receiving a brand new teaching every month. Again, next month, next month it's on discussing the level of threat, the threat levels that we have in our life. What are they? We have threats in the nation. We have threat levels for national security, for uh, the CDC, for medicine, for travel, for weather. We have threat warnings everywhere. But what about in your own life? What are the major threats to you and your family? And then what do you do about it? What does the Bible teach about dealing with the threats in our life. They're there. We can't wish them away or hope them away. They're there. It's just part of living in the world today. And so that lesson coming up next month, I think will be a very encouraging one to you with some real biblical help and some practical things that you can do intentionally. All right, again, come and join us. Call 888-888-1717, press number two, or go to theintentionallife.com. And boy, thank you for becoming a part of the journey with us here at Intentional Living. You're listening to Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. With today's program talking about a nag-free zone, there are some people who, I think, are well on their way to accomplishing that. Because it's probably tough to nag if you're praying for someone or encouraging someone. Trisha, Kurt, Heather, and Denise all want to encourage their spouses with at least three positive words a day. Mark, Shelley, and Janice will be praying for their families. Imagine how prayer and encouragement can change the mood in your house. Join them and tell us what your one thing is. Go to theintentionallife.com. That's theintentionallife.com. Just drop down to the bottom of the page and click on Learn More. Randy. All right, thank you, Kurt. You're absolutely right. You know what what you're saying, Kurt, is that uh, we're we're a decision away from a life that's more intentional. Let me give you an example. He gave you some there, but uh, just imagine if he said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to just use cash and stop using credit card because I can't control it." If you did that today, made a decision, started that today, you'd be encouraged by tomorrow. You'd be encouraged. You wouldn't be out of debt, but you'd be encouraged. If you made the decision today, I'm, I'm done with this yelling at my kids stuff, or like we're talking nagging today, I'm done with it. You're going to feel more in self-control, more self-control, stronger about yourself tomorrow. If, if you speak those five words of encouragement you heard Kurt mention, you're going to feel more peace in your family tomorrow. If you pray, starting today, praying every day, praying for your spouse, your family, for the needs around the world, you're going to have a better perspective tomorrow. If you start reading scripture today, you're going to be closer to God tomorrow. You take a, an online class, you're going to be more inspired tomorrow. If you apologize for something you've done, you're going to feel more freedom tomorrow. That, that is what intentional living is all about, making these decisions. All right, Karina, let's go. You're on the line in uh, Georgia. And it says here, hi you, there. Hi there. You were the nagger, huh? Yeah, and you know, my nagging was something that I struggle with daily, 
I think I had some real bad examples growing up. But the part of my nagging that was so bad was that it escalated always into a knockdown, drag-out fight. Mm. And when we ended up in counseling, we've been married 32 years, we ended up in counseling, that was his biggest complaint about our marital problems was just the volume you know he could even take the nagging just not the volume going up that was his breaking point and you know once i got my volume in tune our fighting and arguing and even the nagging i think came way down but you know my my secret (laughs) i think that i heard through the christian circles was that jesus and god and the holy spirit have a still small voice and it couldn't be heard because I was always talking, always nagging. Wow. And once I calmed that down and quieted myself, hushed myself up, the Holy Spirit would convict him immediately, and I could see the change. And often it was literally within minutes. Huh. But as long as my, my jaws were going, nothing was changing. <laughs> and I don't know why we're so slow to learn <laughs> sometimes. We just don't get it, you know, and I saw it, I guess, for years. My mother had been married three times, and, you know, I watched that. And you learn, unfortunately, through what you observe. And so, yeah, I'm a recoverer. I'm, re- I'm there. But Good for it's, you. it's a daily struggle still. It is a daily struggle. And I'm 50. Yeah. Good for you. That, that means you got many, many years ahead of success here because you made the decision, uh, Karina, to say, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm not going to nag. It's not effective. And you're going to let God do his work. You're not going to play the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. Yeah. It makes a difference. Thanks for your call. You bet. Thank Appreciate you. it. You know, we've got the Diane on the line. Diane, I can't get to your call because we don't have time, but your question I see, uh, and I think it's a good way to end the program. I think she's saying, you know, you know, I understand I want to change, but there are so many of us married to procrastinators, and that becomes an underlying issue. And I'd say to you, Diana, we, we call them the, the crickets around here. We got the good ideas, we make a lot of noise, but then we don't follow through. And let's face it, procrastination is something that's pervasive with men and women. It's part of the, in the culture for lots of different reasons. And um, I, I give just a basic suggestion, is after you've expressed yourself to your spouse about whatever it is that being procrastinated about, to know that repetitive reminders are not going to be the thing that is helpful. Maybe just uh, putting out a list of things that need to be done, green together, even meeting once a week and saying, hey, here's a list of some things and, and uh, leaving it in, in the hands of your spouse and trusting God. Uh, and I know there are times that have to be escalated to a different level, maybe into counseling, they have to be dealt with or serious things. I understand that. But let's face it, most of the things or many of the things that we end up nagging each other about are not the big issues. They're the issues that won't matter all that much after that spouse is gone. It won't matter all that much a week, a year, two years from now. And I would say to those of us who are procrastinators or putting aside things that would be insensitive to our spouse that may set up the tee them up to be naggers, that we would take a proactive approach of saying, hey, my job is to be a supportive, loving spouse so my spouse doesn't have to be in a place where they feel like they have to nag. Love is a, is a process of giving and receiving, negotiating, settling and forgiving, and moving forward. Again, let's be reminded that a word aptly spoken, the scripture says, is like apples of gold and settings of silver. What we say matters. And even in our silence, we're saying something. 
And so we end with those thoughts today. What do you think? Come join the discussion on Facebook, and we'll see you next time with more Intentional Living.